show number 66 on the real kipper and born show i'm i'm excited about this show for so many different reasons ton of news out there we got the leafs in vegas to tee up which should be a good bounce back game for the toronto maple leafs blowing the 4-1 lead against colorado maybe some revenge vegas they got a good team good enough to win it all I think George McPhee feels that way, president of hockey operations for Vegas Golden Golden Knights. He'll also join us later on in the program. And between Mike Kelly, hockey hockey analyst uh, with the NHL Network, we've got the finesse of a Tom Wilson. Or is it the toughness of a Tom Wilson? JB, (laughs) which one Uh, is it? You know... (laughs) This guy's evolved to be quite the hockey player. He has. You know, when, but no one ever goes on a radio show and says, let's talk about Tom Wilson's hands. Not that he doesn't have hands, because he does. He's a two-time 20 goal scorer. He's on pace for 25 this year. But they talk about his hands when they get balled up and aimed at people's brains. That's the type of hands we'll be, we, we talk about with Tom. Soften us hands around the net to score, and then also hands like a sledgehammer. Either or is fine with Tom Wilson. We're going to get into that, including what he thinks about the OV chase. Is it fun to be around? Is it too early? Can you peak too early? Could the players get tiresome of it? What's he got? About 150 goals to go, JB? We still got yeah. some some mileage here, so can't wait to talk to Tom Wilson about that. And we mentioned, uh, at least I mentioned all this news and it's still around Evander Kane between me, you and Sammy. We had a great conversation yesterday about Evander Kane and whether the Leafs would, would look at him. Uh, He's really gone guys in a short period of time of to, from many believers to no one's going to touch that guy to could he sign in the next day or two? You guys (laughs) feeling that? Yeah, it has been quite the swing. Uh, you know, I, I initially started our conversation yesterday like, you just can't do it. No matter what, you just can't. And then by the time I was finished talking, he was like, well, well. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe you could. <laughs> I, Sammy was out until I mentioned Kane, Matthews, and Marner to start the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, I liked that a lot. And uh, I still do. But... Um, I, I, something tells me there's teams out there that are a little more desperate than the Leafs that are going to maybe do this in terms of uh, some forward depth. And we heard Kenny Holland talking about it earlier and sure sound like they're interested. And I think you just tweeted something about them being interested, Kipper. So, yeah, Oilers seem like a pretty uh, natural destination at this point of, the, uh, of this juncture, no? Ken Holland, Edmonton Oilers, made it abundantly clear he, he, as he addressed the media today to talk a lot about his Oilers and where they go from here, and specifically on Evander Kane. Let's have a listen. To, to answer your question, I believe in second chances. You know, I, I, it's hard to be perfect. In, 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 we're all people. We all make mistakes. Some make big mistakes. Some make little mistakes. But it's hard to be. It's hard to be perfect. And um, I think if somebody makes a decision or does something in their life and they make a mistake, I think they have to, you know, try to, um, you know, learn from it and and try to change and uh, and and. and uh, should be entitled to a second opportunity once they once they do some of those things. 
Our thanks to Danielle Furtado, uh, tech, who provided us with that clip. And, guys, that, that, that says a lot, does it not, in terms of where Edmonton feels they are with uh, adding a guy like Evander Kane? I mean, it's crystal clear. They're going after him. Mm-hmm. It is. It's funny whenever you hear the GM of a team who's about to take a chance on a guy who, uh, who's who been through a few discretions, they suddenly get very open-minded and forgiving and worldly <laughs> about second chances. And, you know, maybe we're too quick to judge people, don't they? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I think that he's talking about a second chance. How many chances are we talking about for Caden now? What, what number are we on? Oh, yeah. I think it's a little more than a second chance at this point, fellas. Listen, I'm not against signing him. I'm not against – I understand uh, trying to win hockey games and putting aside some of your politics. I get that. But sitting up there and saying second chance, that's pretty rich. This would be what, a sixth <laughs> chance, boys? What are we talking here? We, we, we are not yeah. talking, though. We are not talking about a guy that can come in and provide – some penalty killing or some toughness on your third or fourth line. We're talking about a guy that can come in and, and be a top goal scorer for you for free at a <laughs> fraction of the price. Yeah. And this speaks to everything you need to know about where some of these teams put the priority of winning ahead of anything else. Yep. It's just, it's a matter of what you think you might be able to get away with. And it I is. Think that's they, exactly they, what it is. That's they, they can on. get away with this. What, what, yeah. what do they really have? What do we really have on Evander Kane other than, you know, uh, some ins- – oh. uh, like, we, we got a lot of people insinuating things, but no one's ever followed through on anything. So what do you really have on the guy? Just the VAC stuff recently, I guess. And, okay. You know. Hit all his teammates hating him and him getting his stuff thrown in the shower in Winnipeg. And there's lots of, I think there's lots of stuff on the ice too. Like there seems to be not the most, like, listen, I don't know. There's a picture of him with his, with his holding money like he's Vegas. And then he's got in debt to, to, cause he, I don't know. Depends. I don't care. Like, like I said, I don't care about any of that stuff. I, if I'm a fan of a hockey team, if I'm a general manager of a hockey team, and my team desperately needs scoring, toughness, whatever depth, like the Edmonton Oilers do, I truly feel like I wouldn't care at all and I would just do it. And you figure out what, he, what happens after. You figure it out I, after. I, I agree I, with Kip. Yeah. You just do it. Well, I, I think where this swings is all of the things you mentioned, Sam, and the laundry list is longer than that all come to the conclusion that Evander Kane's probably not a good guy and people don't seem to like him. That's the conclusion. Mm. I think Kipper's greater point is, is any of, of it so prohibitive that he shouldn't be allowed to play in the league? Correct. And I don't yes. think there's a, a thing where you say that keeps him out of the NHL outside of guys think he's, you know, whatever. Whatever you, conclusion you want to draw there. And uh, uh, JB, we, we played with guys that we have not been close with or, oh, sure. you know, would hang out. Uh, in a bar with, although, you know, in a, under a team environment, you, you do what you have to do. But can the guy help me win? And if you list that at the top of your priority, then it would be an easier sell in a dressing room. And the answer is yes, he can. Will he? I don't know. Can he? Yes, absolutely. He can help us win. You know what's a much easier sell too, Kipper, is let's say you pull the leadership from your team into the coach's office and you say, we can get Evander Kane for six months, or, or, or sorry, for six years. What do you think? Or we can get Evander Kane for three months. Yeah. What do you think? 
if you pitch me Vander Kane for three months where he's in a position he's got to get another contract and prove he can be on the up and up and it feels like his last kick of the can, I'm going, ah, we might get the best of him. He might fake it for us for three months and get the on-ice stuff in the, in the short term. So I think you can sell a team on that, not signing uh, another big deal. I think this is a an easy sell job on the Edmonton Oilers, especially yeah. after we heard well, from Ken going? Holland because, well, where they're not going is giving up maybe a, a first rounder for a rental. This is a free rental for them. And again, uh, we've got one more clip from Ken Holland on where he goes from here on in to try to improve the club. And Oiler fans, it's not coming anytime soon from from uh, outside. Let's have a listen to Ken Holland one more time. I mean, how many trades of consequence have gone on in this league since October, since the season started? Uh, not many. I mean, there's been the odd trade, but, you know, and there's other teams struggling besides us. We're not the only team struggling. I mean, so I think the reality is the solution has to be in, in, in the, either in that locker room or, or, you know, somebody from Bakersfield. Um... I am working the phones, um, but for right now, today, I think that, that, that the solution has to be in that in that locker room. And- there you go. How yeah. much? Do a, van- you a, Vander- a Vander Kane, Bakersfield, or bust. <laughs> <laughs> Those are your three choices, Oiler fans. Well, I think there's a scenario where if you say a big trade is coming, the team kind of puts on pause until they see what happens. Like, I I like if it's motivational and he's just going, don't look for help. You do it yourself. I I don't hate that idea. If he's sincere in saying we're not looking for help, well, then what are the Oilers? Like, this this is their, you know, prime years of McDavid and Dreisaitl, and they're just going to go, I don't know, maybe Tyler Benson's the solution? Come on. That's not good enough. I have to say, I watched that whole press conference today when I was looking through the stuff to, to grab the clips for you guys. And, boy, I know, Kipper, you watched. I know you caught a few clips, Borny. It is He did not seem confident in one thing he was saying. Is that the feeling you got? Like, I don't, I, I don't know how much longer he feels like he even wants to do this. Did you get a feeling of the guy that seemed like he's that's sick that, of doing eh? this? I, I got a sense of a guy that's uh, at times very tired, for sure. Yeah, that's what I felt. And, you know, the one thing is he can't explain how December 1st, he was one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. And today, uh, since then, one of the worst. Mm-hmm. Like in all of his experience as a general manager, that one he hasn't got a clue how to answer. Mm-hmm. And that one, to me, stood out as much as anything today. I mean, my yeah. answer to that is that the start of the season seemed a little bit I don't want to say lucky but this looks like who we kind of thought the Oilers were when you looked at their decor going into the season and went all right CC Keith Barry you know go through the list it's like I don't know I don't see a team that's much better than a wild card team I like some you know obviously they're top dogs but I don't know I maybe it was a little bit of delusion based on a good start yeah so there is probably another half a dozen teams, I think, that are in the mix as well for Evander Kane. Is it well, I don't. <laughs> that's a good question. Okay. That's a good Do question. I don't have a definitive answer, but, you know, the more you think about it, and Ken Holland laid his cards 
on the table. It, it, whatever Kane's done in the past isn't enough for him to say no. But I don't know. Kyle Dubas, at, at his point of his career as a general manager and the sensitivity that we've seen for off-ice issues out of Kyle Dubas, mm. probably not his style to go and be aggressive on Evander Kane. Would you guys agree or disagree on that? Well, agree. I would agree, but here's what I, I would want from, from Kyle Dubas. If, if they think that the moral issues are too much for them to have him, they should just say so now. You know, I, I think it'll look wishy-washy if he signs with the Oilers and then they get all moral. Like, mm. oh, you know, it's easy to right, claim that moral high ground after you didn't get the guy. Surely he's been asked about him or is going to be asked about him. Either say that it's not too much or they're in the fight. And if they're, and if they're okay with it, it, with trying to go get this guy, when we've talked about what this team needed to add, imagine we sat here and said that a first-line left winger who can score 30 and hit would be available for a million dollars. <laughs> like, what? That's for sent from the heavens. Of yes. course, it's Evander Kane, but like the raw description of the player is exactly what we've been describing, and with a, at a fantasy price. Yeah, Boston announced today Tuka Rask is under contract, uh, and we had this conversation last week on Real Kipper and Born. It's a million bucks, boys. It's like a free potential future Hall of Fame goaltender here, you know, dropping in your lap for a million bucks, and. Yeah. Kane should be the same way. The thought is, you know, priority is he wants to try to go win a Stanley Cup. I'm not sure even with Kane, that's in Edmonton. That's for Kane and his agent to decide whether or not your services can put them over the top here. But the sense is it's a million bucks here. That's it. There's There's no reason to spend any more money than that, right? been a long time since he's played a hockey game when's the last time he played you know like there's also that factor you have to put into it with him signing and getting him up to nhl speed and what you're going to get from him at the start i'm just going back and trying to find here quickly when the last hockey game he played but the last time he played a nhl game was may 12th versus vegas so uh, of 2021 so it's been a long time since he's played a hockey game so that's also that factor as well All right, let's welcome in Mike Kelly. We've had him on the show before, hockey analyst uh, specializing in the analytics, NHL Network, Sport Logic. Uh, Let's stay on the theme here. Mike, welcome to the show. And just what what are the numbers that reflect an Evander Kane and what he could mean to, say, the Edmonton Oilers or any other team contending? Hey, guys. Um... Well, a very desirable player in terms of what he can do on the ice, obviously, especially if you start thinking about teams that uh, will be in the playoffs or are in the playoff mix. You had a power forward. Um, Kane wins battles at a high rate. He gets to the middle of the ice, gets to the areas you need to get to to score at a high rate, uh, produces a lot of shot volume from quality areas. So the things that you would expect from uh, a numbers standpoint, he, he ranks highly in. Um, then there's the whole other side of it, of course, that needs to be considered. But just from a pure playing standpoint, every team in playoff contention, you would think would love to have that type of player on their team. Um, Especially when you start to think about the type of hockey that gets played in the playoffs where there's less available ice, there are more battles, it's more dump and chase. Um, So again, there's the whole other side that you have to think about also. 
I, I can't think of a top player outside of recently sort of Tony D'Angelo, where we're all in agreement. Everyone wants the player. No one wants the player. You know what I mean? Like, I guess the person, everyone wants the player. It's a weird spot. So let's say the Oilers are the team to do it. You know, tell us your thoughts on the Oilers. Where are they at? What is the real Edmonton Oilers on true talent? Uh, do they, I guess they need the guy pretty bad if it's, look at, or if it's anything like their results lately. He's the exact kind of guy that they need. It is um, another forward that can score and generate offense for sure. And you know, the thing with Edmonton is um, the goaltending has not been good. Uh, when they main games and keeping them competitive. I don't think Miko Koskinen is that guy at all. Um, and Skinner, the sample's really small. Uh, I don't think you'd want to have him as your everyday guy either. Their only option and goal is a good Mike Smith. And he's been that over the last couple of years when he's healthy. That's what they need there. A lot of people are freaking out about Edmonton. And, you know, I, I did a segment on NHL Network not that long ago looking at their losing streak or the last 13 games where I think they have two wins. They're not broken from a process standpoint, and that's coaching. Uh, not to say that it's been perfect or adjustments can't be made, but they're not broken. They are generating offense in terms of the chances they're producing at a top 10 rate, and they're limiting those chances at a above-average rate. Their goaltending is costing them about a goal a game, and uh, they're, you know, they're not burying their chances. And I remember being on here with you guys uh, at the start of the season, we were talking about the Maple Leafs. And I said, I have no worries about this team offensively because there was such a gap between what they're creating and what's going in the net. And there had to be a regression. And, of course, there was. And with Edmonton, we're seeing a sizable gap like that also. So I think some of this will correct itself with more time. But you throw Evander Kane into the mix, um, that really helps a team that is getting caved in in their bottom six. Not to say they don't play there. But your lineup's just more full, and obviously your bottom six would improve as a result. Mike, shifting to the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, we had a pretty good, healthy conversation on Evander Kane uh, and the interest that the Leafs would have on him. And I just, I, I look, and, and tonight we're going to see on the left side, Bunting, Kerfoot, Mikheyev, and, and Clifford. Uh, Kasha comes back into the lineup. Richie is out. But is there a, an imbalance from left to right side when it comes to creating offense or scoring? And I just look at now the pressure on, say, a Kerfoot in a top six on the left side to produce. And he has. I give him full credit. Mm -hmm. uh, he's been great. But it's a big ask from Bunting, Kerfoot, McKayev, and, and Clifford to, say, start a first round of the playoffs and, and win four rounds here when none of them have the, the playoff experience or, or the pressure as frontline players to carry the left side, would the Leafs be really considering a, almost a, a freebie of Kane's talents to plug that left side? Yeah, I think you've identified, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe weakness is too strong a word, but uh, they're, they're obviously stronger on the right side. And, Again, look, the, the, the player of Andrew Kane, there's not a team in playoff contention that he wouldn't make better. Um, he's a terrific player. He led the Sharks in scoring not that long ago. Um, so would it help? Uh, of course it would. Um, Bunting, I, I think Bunting's done a terrific job 
in the situations that he's been put in and was somebody that I think at the start of the season you look at as a guy who can come in and play a good, you know, puck-hungry, you-can-score type of game. And, you know, Mikheyev has been good on that uh, third line as well. And, you know, then you talk about Kerfoot. Where does he slide in uh, optimally? Probably not in your top six, but you, you bring up a good point that he's played well. So I, I don't know that Toronto should feel like they're forced into going out and, and getting a top six left winger. Um, but you, I, I like your point where it's, you know, it's not as strong as what they are at center or on the right side, obviously. So tonight, the, the Leafs are in, Tor- or sorry, in Vegas. Uh, Vegas, 6-3-1 in their last 10, climbing the Pacific Division standings. Now first in points percentage in that division. What, uh, what are they dealing with tonight? What, what is this Vegas team? They're a real cup contender? You know what? I think it's a great matchup because they, I, I view Toronto and Vegas as two teams that um, are, are great but I wouldn't put them in my first class of cup contenders because for multiple years in the playoffs, both teams have shown something that I think is glaring and problematic. And I haven't seen the ability to correct it yet. Not to say that they can't Um, for me, Toronto, it's managing the puck and for Vegas, it's winning the net front area at both ends of the ice. So, you know, I look at Vegas, they played, a couple of years ago, Dallas and lost. Well, what does Dallas do? They're a great defensive team. They got good goaltending that year. They won the net front. They played Minnesota in the first round last year. That went seven. Minnesota's as good around the front of the net at both ends as just about any team. They lost to Montreal, who was playing really good shutdown defense in the playoffs, had an elite goalie, lost the net front. Until Vegas you know, shows to everybody that they can beat those type of teams in the playoffs, it's just a matchup thing for me. Um, that's kind of kind of keep them out of my 1A elite cup contenders. And in Toronto, it's the puck management thing that, you know, it's been going on for a while. Um, and, you know, again, giving up goals and chances off turnovers to bit them in the playoffs and not managing it at the right time. So, of course, Toronto's a great team. So is Vegas. But those things need to be corrected before I can say, okay, yeah, they're with the Tampas and uh, they're with the Colorados and kind of the real upper echelon. Bit of a struggle at home for Vegas. Which... Hey, you didn't get. Uh, you're not under an avalanche, are you? Right now, are you okay? right? I'm good. I lost it for a second, though. <laughs> we are. You're right worse. Here. You can hear me. You're worse than Gord Stellick, for God's sakes. I just walked in the door from an appointment. I was later than I thought I'd be, so you can. That's my fault. All right, we'll find you. We'll find you. Don't worry. Uh, but just getting back to Vegas, there's, there's been some struggles, inconsistency. Uh, yeah, they're not, they're not great at home to start, uh, 2022 yet. We, we look in there somehow, some way leading the Pacific division. And this is with a guy like Jack Eichel, who could come in and play as early as the beginning of February. This gives them a dynamic look that who knows where Jack could take this team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where, and where is he going to play? I mean, I was talking to someone in Vegas uh, in the media side recently too, about where he's going to play because Chandler Stevenson has been so good you know, when they're healthy with Pacioretty and stone. Um, and then the misfits are the misfits. You're not going to split them up. I, I think he ultimately moved Stevenson down and Jack's uh, top six center, but with Pacioretty and Stone when everyone's healthy. 
Um, I don't know if people have forgotten this. You guys can you know read the room better, given that you host a radio show than I can. But Jack Eichel is he's like a top ten forward in the league. He is elite, and you know the way that he skates the puck up the ice through the neutral zone. He's kind of got that wide gliding stride to him where he protects the puck, long reach. He's rangy. Uh, so he, he moves the puck really well. Vegas plays fast. That's great. And he's an elite playmaker. He's worked on his shot and his scoring ability. It's crazy that they're getting this guy. He's uh, given how good they already are. So I guess that's the big thing, right, is that what teams are going to be healthy in a weird year like this or, or healthiest mm. going into the playoffs? Because Vegas has its whole roster. Um, that's a heck of a lot of talent. Yeah, no, they're they're a legitimate threat. It's funny. We, we yesterday we were doing uh, Stanley Cup tiers, you know, yeah. kind of trying to figure out where we had the Toronto Maple Leafs and who we had in our upper echelon ones. And you know, without putting you on the spot to do something like that, I want to get your thoughts on the one outlier from our group. Oh, there's two of them. We'll start with the one that Kipper had in his first group, which is the St. Louis Blues. What are your thoughts yes. on where the Blues are at? That's a pretty sneaky good hockey team. Kipper, my man, I'm with you. Um... Look, they, yes. they, they play a they play a great brand of, of playoff type hockey. Uh, we we've seen them in the obviously they won a couple a couple of years ago, uh, but you know what they they're a little more they weren't one dimensional before. But you knew how they were going to beat you, right? Good defense. They're going to get the puck in the ozone. They're going to work the walls. They're going to grind you, get you straight legged defending, and then attack. Um, they still do that well enough, but. They've, there's more skill in that lineup now. They can beat you in transition, more skilled plays. Kairou Thomas have been phenomenal this year. So they're, I think they're legit for sure. And I don't know if Pareko gets as much credit as he really deserves as a, as a top shut, shutdown guy in the league. I just think if this guy's healthy, which he hasn't been in the past, man, he just he, he takes that blue line to another level. Yeah, he'd be a pain in the butt to play against in a playoff series, I, I bet. Uh, you know, Falk, sneaky, kind of underrated, yeah. good there too. Krug, um, yeah, they, they got a good mix, a good balanced team. The goaltending's been fine. I, I would put them in in my, you know, 1A Stanley Cup contender group also. When we look at uh, the overall look, uh, the Canadian health in terms of the teams that could make the playoffs. I don't want to scare anybody off, but like it's fading here between Edmonton mm-hmm. and Calgary. And, uh, you know, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news for Sportsnet in the spring, but, you know, you could be down to two or three teams, Canadian teams in the playoffs. Do you see Calgary coming back and, and, and solidifying that spot? Or are we going to see Calgary as a team that, fights tooth and nail to make the playoffs maybe like Edmonton now I think Calgary gets in uh, I think they're above the Oilers and you know Daryl Sutter seems to have a knack for getting his team to really hit the the the, the, the their kind of highest peak as you go into the playoffs so uh, again I like the way that they play I think their, their transition game is very good their, their goaltender you know when he's doing his thing Markstrom is, is great the top line this year has been outstanding. Um, they're, they're a little bit of a rut, but they were playing so well for such a long time. And it's a weird year, these weird breaks, and you miss Rick guys randomly. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to pin things down, especially you know, for somebody like myself who comes at it you know, in a big way from the numbers side of things as well. 
Um, but I think Calgary's legit. I think they'll get in. I'm not – I mean, you think about Anaheim and L.A. as the 2-3 in the Pacific right now. Uh, Anaheim probably gets in. I'm not sold on either one really getting in. Um, so, you know, that's why I think Calgary will be fine. I think they'll be in a top-three Pacific spot. I think Edmonton will figure it out too. Um, but after that, yeah, you, you talk about the, the media companies. It's go, Leafs, go. Get to the third round at least. <laughs> well, one of the things that should help them get there is a, a curiosity to me. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs are the best team in the NHL at, in faceoffs. They have the best faceoff winning percentage uh, in the league. How how do you think that correlates to success? Do you believe it matters? I know statistically for years in the early days of the analytic movement, it was like faceoffs don't matter, overrated. You know, it's an old hockey guy thing. And I feel like the pendulum has swung back to oh, turns out they kind of are important. Yeah, I think they're important. Um, look, it, it's something that statistically, it very, very weak correlation to whether you win or lose a hockey game. So on the surface, you might say, oh, that's not important. It is important. Um, so, you know, winning faceoffs at certain moments in certain situations, power play, penalty kill, protecting a lead, needing a goal, you need to have guys that you can trust to go out on whatever dot it is on the ice and hopefully win you a draw. Um, you know, the Maple Leafs, we've seen games this year where they've been running around 60% and just being able to control the puck uh, in large part because they're winning a lot of draws and starting with it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Camp has been great in that, in that area. You know, Spets has always been a good guy in the circle, and you know, Tavares, Matthews is no slouch. Uh, so, you know, for, for an analytics person, which I guess I am, sure, then uh, I'll say, yeah, I know for a fact because I've studied it, there's a there's a – almost nothing correlation to winning and losing games based on your face-off percentage, but I know that it matters. Oh, I, I, I'm a big fan, JB. Yeah. And, and the Leafs have been phenomenal in that capacity. And mm-hmm. I don't know if, if Sammy, if you can quickly just look up uh, the stats on Saturday night against Colorado, but I think again, uh, the Leafs were really, really good. I was in a great game out of Tavares. Uh, but I think he still dominated, if I'm not mistaken, in the face-off circle Saturday night. And if anything, you know, maybe help hold on to a point. But they, Camp, to me, has come in in that third line and really has solidified that anchor. It, it almost, again, watching the Leafs evolve, you know, in especially in Kyle Dubas's, um Uh, stay as general manager since it's almost as if for me that once upon a time early in Kyle's GM career, he thought he could get four scoring lines. And then it was like, now we're down to one third line checking and we don't care if you score another goal ever again, just (laughs) shut down and, and, and win faceoffs. And the Leafs have had more success because of that for me. Yeah, well, look, the game's been around for 100 years. Um, there's the, you know, you watch teams that win and, and are successful in the playoffs. A lot of them have a good checking line, a third line, or even a fourth line, um, whatever it is, but a good bottom six checking line. And like Kipper and, and, and Borny, you guys play high level hockey in your lives, obviously, and, and, and playoff series and all that. Even if a team is very, very skilled, if it's four lines that are all trying to do the same thing, you think you could figure out a way to get them uncomfortable enough because you know that they can't really beat you in another way, right? 
And, mm-hmm. you know, that would be my belief in why you wouldn't build a team that is we're going to get a bunch of speed guys or skill guys and all offense, all puck possession, whatever it's going to be, because you could make a team like that uncomfortable pretty quickly. And, you know, one thing I've talked about before is the reality in hockey is puck possession is important. Of course it is. Um, you cannot build a team that is so good that you can have the puck so much that you can afford to be deficient in other areas. It, it just can't happen with a salary cap and with 32 teams in That's a league. A you can point. never be that good. So the, the best teams in the league in terms of possessing the puck to the worst, the gap isn't big enough that you can dine out on one way of playing. And maybe that's a lesson that Toronto learned um, ultimately, but the, the mix they have now, I think to compete in the playoffs, it should be as good as it's been, you know, since this kind of era of these players started. Yeah. yeah agreed. I, I, I think that's a great hypothesis and conclusion. The Leafs were like, can you have the puck enough to not have to play defense? And the conclusion was no. <laughs> and they're a good defensive <laughs> team now, right? Even yeah. well, they considering are. Campbell and how good Campbell's been. Yeah. Well, well, we'll look forward to the rebound game tonight against Vegas. Hey, Mike, thanks for doing this. Anytime, guys. Thanks, Take Mike. Care. Mike Kelly. Uh, just to touch on that, the Leafs come in. I think now with Edmonton uh, going downhill here, they become now the the top power play team in the league, and I think their penalty killing is sixth. So, you know, again, I mean, not to overemphasize that, but winning a face-off on your power play or winning a face-off killing penalties can go a long way. Well, really interesting, I think, is that if you look at the best power plays in the NHL, uh, the teams who are the best on power play face-off winning percentage are all over it. Like, Leafs are first in the NHL in uh, power play percentage. You see the Oilers up there, the Ducks are up there, the Stars are up there, Boston's up there. All of those teams are in like the top five, six in power play faceoff percentage. I like that. So we, it's true. Sammy, we expect a, a bounce back game. The Leafs, I don't think, have lost back to back games, uh, what, since late October. Yeah. I, I love watching games in Vegas. I really do. I I think it's, I don't know, they've done a really great job. Maybe it's just because of how they've built up sort of the the big games that they've played in that building already and the excitement of the of the Vegas thing. But it already really feels like a destination game, and they've only been in the league for however many years. So I love watching games well, in Vegas, although 10 p.m. is kind of late. I, I don't really love the late starts. But... I, I think they got a ch- I think it's going to be a great game tonight, and I do think the Leafs will beat them. But uh, it'll be a tough matchup. So I'm, I'm looking just, forward to it. I, I love those games. Just to Sammy's point, JB, it's different. Uh, it's a presentation yeah. like we've never seen before in the history of the game. And you go back to that uh, that that switch of what 20 years ago when we all went to the new rinks. They were all cookie cutters. They all looked the same, felt the same, uh, sounded the same. Vegas comes in and says, "No, we're doing it." Vegas baby style. I got a confession to make, guys. Hate Vegas. Hate this team. Hate everything about the The strip. You hate the strip? Love Vegas. Listen, I love Vegas. Well, you just said you hated Vegas. Which one is it? I hate the Golden Knights. I hate the Golden Knights. I do not. Their jerseys suck. Terrible sweater. Mm. They totally blew the the whole branding thing in my mind. They I don't like the name. I don't like the players. I have no interest in this Johnny come lately You're, show up and think you deserve a Stanley right, Cup well, attitude of their t- owner. 
You can tell George McPhee that in 15 minutes, <laughs> in half an hour, okay? I'll, I'll, I'll hide behind the door. Yes. Yeah. And you, yeah. One of the toughest general managers in the history of the game. Yeah. No, him. listen. Listen, I have no interest in telling George that. I, I Hopefully he's not <laughs> listening to our show. But I got to tell you, I secretly, when I watch these games, I'm like, I just, you know, I, I've just never been a Vegas guy. Listen, it's the only place huh. you can get away with that. Those shiny helmets. I hate, I, uh, but it's Vegas. Mm, it's about I, cheese. I like Everything's cheesy in Vegas. It's supposed to be Happy Gilmore where I'm shooter. And he's, uh, uh, listen, well, I'm not, Doug. I don't care if it's supposed to be fun and everyone's enjoying it. <laughs> I guess I'm like old school at heart and it's just too much for me. I'm not sure what, but I just snapped. We, we are... No, kind of happy though they did not win the Stanley Cup. That uh, you didn't need first him to waltz year. in and win a cup. No, 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 no. We could never live that down as a league that you would allow an expansion team to come in and win your championship. That that like, one would have been really hard to live down. Right, there'd have been the brave face like that. This is so exciting. What a what an accomplishment. Meanwhile, everyone's going, eh. You know, we're, we've been dying out here Gary for decades. Liked, Gary would have loved it. Oh, Gary, Gary would have loved, loved it. it. Yeah, Gary would have loved it. But you know, okay. <laughs> you know the <laughs> they built up the the fan base there. Like it seems. I mean, I I guess it's hard to know, but it really seems like they are in entwined with the locals there. Like that that team has been good from the start, and that's what they needed in Vegas. I think Seattle. It's a little bit more of a savvy sports town. They're used to having the sports there. They understand what it means to build. They understand what it you know like the process of what a pro sports team goes through to get good. It's more of an understanding when it comes to Seattle. But I think with Vegas. They had to be good right away, and they have to stay good or else no one will care, right? Am I off on that, or that's kind of my, my take on those two different no, expansions? No, I, I, I think that's been clear since uh, their ownership uh, came in, and that's Wild Bill. Uh, this guy wanted to win the Stanley Cup before they played one game. And I don't yeah, think that's well, it. I don't I think do that's going to change. I do too, but I'm not good enough at hockey to make the NHL. So we can't all get what we want. So, you know. The other thing, too, I think was, was huge for the NHL is, is getting in there before the NFL. And establishing, I agree. Great uh, point. Uh, the community getting your getting a first crack to that money, mm-hmm. the, the 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 entertainment dollar, and I, I think that, that they were established before the NFL came in, gave them that that swell, that groundswell of fans. Go to a practice. There might be two thousand people at their practice facility. And uh, the some, NFL some... was always going to work, right? It can come second to yeah, be no fine. matter what. But, yeah, if the NHL comes in as the big brother second or little brother second and goes, we're here, everyone's like, yeah, yeah we're doing the Raiders thing, guys. So, All right, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll take a quick break uh, after the break. Tom Wilson, guys, uh, yeah, one of my favorites. Uh, whether he's causing havoc or pushing the envelope on the ice, this guy plays the game the way I, I want it to be played. Yeah, and uh, I want to hear him on the uh, Olympics, too. I want to get his thoughts on that. How close? Would you have had him on the Olympics? Would would it you know? Would you have liked that look? Probably I appreciated no, Lindros. I, I appreciated Lindros. Yeah. Oh yeah. Probably. But I'm a, no. I'm a sneaky Neanderthal. I love like my favorite my favorite memories are of Hockey Canada is of like the World Juniors of my youth when guys are just running around exploding people. You know, like when there was just, <laughs> it, was it was like true. that used to be great. <laughs> and like all and like Fanuf and all those guys just blowing up guys from uh, the Czech Republic and just guy. You know, it was. <laughs> I used to love that when I was a kid. So, yes, I would have loved Tom Wilson on the, I, on the 
on Team Canada. I remember Lindros making Team Canada before he played one game in the NHL in the Canada Cup, if I'm not mistaken, uh, 87. And that's the way I envisioned Wilson playing, just skating 1,000 yeah. miles an hour and hitting everything that moved. We'll ask. Uh, to, yeah, we'll ask him. Go ahead. Keep we'll ask him after the break how how close he thought he was to making Team Canada. So much more still to come, including George McPhee teeing up Vegas and the Leafs. All after the break, you're listening to Real Kipper and Bourne.